Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Speaking in this month, the whole year is about enlarged. We feel like God spoke to us out of Isaiah 54. You know, he speaks to a woman who's got no children. He says, enlarge the place of your habitation, stretch out the cords, strengthen the stakes. He says, because more are going to be the children of the desolate woman than the married woman. He says, I'm going to do something phenomenal in your life. And we believe that God has spoken to us about enlarge, which is why seeing enlargement in like kids church or young adults or youth, honestly, in, in one sense, we are excited about it but not too surprised because that's what God said. But this month we've been zeroing in on strengthen because so many people, if you ask them about strengthening their life physically, they can give you an immediate response of how you can get stronger. But for so many other people, when it comes to an inner strengthening, they go, oh, I don't know, maybe read a book. Well, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to read it to you. It'll be up there on the screen. It says this, the Apostle Paul writes to this church, a fairly new church to the gospel. This is what he says. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, the magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. So when we are talking about an inner strength, we are talking about true strength, the strength to persist despite obstacles, the strength to resist despite temptation, and the strength to possess everything that God has promised for our life. Now, this morning, I want to take you to the life of a man who did not start out strong, but became strong. And I want to talk to you about some of the most simple things you'll ever hear that unfortunately have lost practice, I think, in part in the church. And so we, uh, we often sing songs about an emotion of strength rather than experiencing strength in our life. And so we have an ideal of God sitting off somewhere remotely rather than the God who is daily involved, vitally apart, intrinsically connected to everything you say and do. A God who is not just trying to get stuff to you, but a God who is trying to strengthen you, not only for difficulties, but also to strengthen you for opportunities. I said at the Malaysia Middle East Conference a couple of weeks ago, so many Christians hear the verse in Matthew where Jesus said, knock and the door will be opened unto you and make it always about the singular. But what if 10 doors open up? What about if it's a lot more than God just using you? As we used to sing when I was a kid, 
uh, they taught us at Sunday school, I'd rather be a little thing climbing up than a big thing coming down. And uh, they'd sing that song as though somehow or other the idea of a big thing going up was completely opposite to the gospel. That somehow or other God was interested in keeping your life little and keeping your life insignificant, saving you from pride, saving you from influence, keeping you out of any place where you might have an abundance like riches were bad. And yet the opposite really is true because God wants your life to become big enough to do more and to have an impact in the world in which we live. And so God wants your life to enlarge, not get small. He's not interested in keeping you weak so that you are dependent on Him. We are dependent on Him anyway. Whether we are in weakness or in strength, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need His insight. We need something great from God in our life to lift us in Jesus' name. God wants to speak this morning to the vision that's in your heart, not the troubles that are surrounding you. He wants to speak to the things in you that He has put there as opportunity for tomorrow and for the years that lie ahead. And that's regardless of age, because the man I'm about to speak to in a minute, he was 75 years young. When God rocked up and said, guess what I've got for you? Boy, have I got a dream for you. He was 75 and his wife had just hit the pension age. She was 65. And he brought him out and he said, you know what? I am going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. He never said, I'm going to make your name significant in your neighbourhood. He said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm believing for the name of Jesus to be great across Australia in the name of Jesus. Great across the nation that maybe you came from. God wants to do something. Anyway, let's go. Romans chapter 4, one verse only, verse 20. It says this, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. This man, Abraham, is called the father of all them that believe. Our spiritual roots go all the way back to a man called Abraham, who at the age of 75 heard God say to him, get out of your father's house, the place of comfort. Leave what you know and go to a land that I'm going to show you. We never even told him the address. He never even said, and this is where it's going to be. So often we want God to give us a roadmap when all he gives us is a compass. We want God to, we want to scan down on Google Maps and see what the destination looks like. Then we want to go on Google Earth and have a look before we go there. God says, no Google Earth, no Google Maps. Here's a compass. Here's the next step. Here's what I want you you to do. And so he says to Abraham, here's your first job, leave. Which direction? I'll show you. Just get ready to leave. His first job is to go and pack up. Hey, Sarah. Sarah, she was then. Hey, Sarah, guess what? God has spoken to me. We're moving. Where to? Don't know. When are we going? Now. Who's coming? Don't know. Eventually, Lot, his nephew, rocks up and says, I want to go with you. So Sarah has to go through. Imagine this, ladies. Men. But she, often the ladies who do all the packing, isn't it? Imagine, imagine your significant other comes home, says, pack everything, we're going. 
Where do I need it? If it was my wife, she'd say, do I need to take a jumper? Because that's her first thought is, will it be cold? Huh? And so this guy just goes out and does all that. It's a remarkable story. And we read the story of Abraham and go, wow, what a man of faith. But I want you to know this morning, he did not start out strong. Because some of you, you think that all Christians apart from you are born strong. Some of you here think you've got a weaker version of Jesus. You've got diluted Jesus. Huh? Some of you here think that person over there, they got full strength Jesus. I got diluted Jesus. Because I don't feel strong at all. And they're all lifting their hands and singing, I want to be where you are. And you're there lifting your hands saying, I don't know where you are. Huh? And understand this morning, Abraham did not start out strong. In Genesis chapter 12, he's going to Egypt and he says to his wife, now she's 65, but she was Miss World. 3000 BC. She was Miss Middle East. Because at the age of 65, Abraham says, I'm pretty sure they're going to kill me to get you. So tell them you're my sister. Like, how strong is that? Raise your hand if you're a husband here and you've ever said to your wife, tell them you're my sister. I'm pretty frightened they're going to kill you. Kill me to get you. Nobody? This woman must have been drop dead gorgeous, which is a signal for every husband here to turn to his wife right now, Tina, and say, he's talking about you. That was your moment. Come on, brother. Not one man moved, not one husband. You slut. Come on. Kirk Kender is he? That's you. Don't give me the thumbs up. John Novak, come on. Did you say that to Maria? Did you just turn to her right there and go, he's talking about you, darling? You didn't, did you? No, you just pointed and said, yeah. <laughs> go to the Aussies. He didn't start out strong in Genesis 12. And you go, well, that was one slip up. But do you know in Genesis 20, after God has spoken to him already four times, in Genesis 20, he does exactly the same thing when he goes to King Ahimelech. Does exactly the same thing. Says, tell him, tell him you're my sister. This is not somebody that all the way along has just absolutely smashed it out. He's not, he's not the Usain Bolt in the spirit. He's not the world champion so many times no one keeps count. The reality is that every one of us can become stronger. No matter who you are, listen to me this morning. No matter who you are, no matter where you are right now. Some of you here have been Christians a long time and you think you've maxed out all you're ever going to get when it comes to the gifts of God, the grace of God, the anointing of God. You think you, you pretty well got it. You've, you know, well, I've been out all, I've got everything, not out of pride, but out of like, you know, really I've plateaued. And the reality is that God says there's so much more for every one of us. I want you to remember this. Your problems can't grow, but you can. There's unending growth in God. In the book of Revelation at the end, it says, let him that is holy be holy still. And in the Greek with the original language of the Bible, 
It's called the present continuous tense. It, it means it, it means let him keep on keeping on keeping on. We don't have a tense like it in English. Your problems can't grow, but you can. Now, Romans chapter 12 tells us something about our growth. It says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I want to show you something here because so many of us are waiting for the lightning strike of God, the magic moment, you know, the hands that get laid, the prophet come, whoa, and we got it. And away we go and life is different. Watch this video. Have a look at this video here. You all know what it is. Yep, that's it right there. You all know what this is? It's a chrysalis. It's a chrysalis that starts to struggle. And most of us here probably know where it's going to end up. This was recorded by a lady in a garden. She found it on the ground. If you have a look up the, if you get to see the top of it, there's actually a pin holding the chrysalis to a branch. The Greek word in Romans chapter 12 for transformed is the Greek word metamorphosio, from which obviously we get our English word metamorphosis, which is what's happening here. It's where a transformation takes place in an expression of growth and something that appeared one way becomes something else. But what I want you to see about this video here is that the struggle of the chrysalis does not create the butterfly. The struggle of the chrysalis simply reveals what was always locked inside. And so when Romans chapter 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, see the pen? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosized, be changed. God isn't saying, oh, you've got to be a different person. He's not saying, I'm expecting you to find some magic bullet that's going to make you different. He's saying, I'm going to allow your growth and through every struggle that you face, it's not going to make you anything. It's going to reveal something that was always there. Amen. And out comes the beautiful butterfly, which in a minute will fly away. The struggle doesn't create it, it simply releases it. Because the chrysalis, listen, the chrysalis doesn't struggle with, in ignorance, it struggles with certainty. Don't ask me how it knows, but it knows if I just keep moving and if I just keep uh, struggling with this thing, eventually I'm going to come out the other side. And I believe that when it comes to strengthening, so many people are waiting for a moment rather than understanding that it's in my struggle, something powerful and something supernatural begins to take place. So let's talk about Abraham again and three so simple things that Abraham did that every one of us can do Three so simple things that strengthen him. Romans 4, he was strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit. Here's something happened in his inner life that made him strong. But how do I work with that? Do I just sit back and wait and hope that one day God turns up? No. Number one, first thing that Abraham did was he surrendered his direction to God. When God said, get out of the land where you are, 
and go. He didn't say, well, I'd like to go there. He said, God, I'm going to let you take me wherever you want me to go. I'm amazed how many Christians get into strife and struggle, how many people get into difficulty and and discover obstacles and never do simple step one. Let me give it to you. Step one, if you are in a difficult place, here's how you start. Not, oh God, Ah! that's not how you start. That might be how you start, but it won't help you. Here's how you start, like this. God, I surrender my life to you. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. However you want me to act in this is how I'm going to do it. And it's so profound and so simple. But sometimes we're off there doing everything else and we haven't done the simplest thing of all. When it came to direction, when it came to destiny, when it came to his stuff, he put God first. And he was not perfect. We've already covered that. He didn't have it all worked out. He was an imperfect person saying to a perfect God, God, I'm going to let you lead and guide my life. I love you this morning. If you are in a difficult place, would you begin by saying to God today, God, I surrender to you. Some of us give our life to Christ at the beginning and then we stop giving him our life. We gradually take back bits of it. Until by the time we get ready to go to heaven, we realise we've actually gathered all of our life back to ourselves. It's one of the most profound things you'll ever hear. The surrendered life is the best life. Amen. And I'm not saying that out of some spiro, you know, beautiful. You know, you don't hear the hallelujah chorus playing in the background every time. You, I'm going to come to God and surrender. Hallelujah. We used to sing this song, I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Now, you might feel that, or you might just feel so ordinary it's ridiculous. But that's not the point. We're not trying to find a feeling. We're making a commitment to so say, I'm going to surrender my direction to God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, again, says, He grant us according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. Therefore, it's going to be invisible, yet supernatural. I thought about this this morning while we stand there in worship and I thought, God does not need my worship because he's got heaven full of the best singers singing songs that earth has never, ever tainted or touched. The greatest music in all of the universe is not what's on the earth. It's not what you hear in the radio or what's on rage or anything else. The greatest music on the planet is what God has got around him in heaven. So why does he ask you to worship then? What is it about worship? It obviously, if it's not all about him, it's not like God's got some kind of, you know, inferiority complex and needs to be assured every day by Christians. Please come and tell me how good I am. That's not what it's about. Worship is something that God instituted for your sake, not for his. 
It's because when I worship God, something profound happens in my life. I truly believe that if all you ever did was come to church and worship, your life will grow and change. I believe that. You might not have been to Bible college and have theological degrees and and understand the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and all the rest of the stuff. You might know that, but can I tell you that if you will come and bring yourself into the presence of God, not just in church. You know, I I read the Bible through in a year. I've followed it now for my eighth year, doing all the way. And I've got to be honest, some days I read it and go, I have no idea what that's about. Still, after eight years of reading the entire thing through, there's still some verse where I go, whatever. But over time, over time, my goodness, my life has been fed out of it. Every minute you spend in worship, every time taken in the word of God is engaging the one who gives strength to your life. That's not, that's not some kind of airy-fairy mystical, you know, you've got to believe it. It just happens. It just happens. The reality is that the Holy Spirit and you are absolutely enough. Amen? I love this. I, I, I know this is so simple, but because it's so simple, I profoundly love moments of prayer. I love when I, when I get to go walk in the bush, in the woods, the forest, whatever you call it, where you're from. In Australia, we call it out in the bush. And I love those moments where I'm there and I know that the Holy Spirit is is helping me and speaking to me. I know I love those moments. I love the fact that there's never a Sunday where you get to come to worship where it's like God doesn't go and, and nail you to the seat right where you are and go, that's for you. I think that's pretty powerful. So the first thing is surrender your direction to God. Here's the second thing. He swapped his natural perspectives for God's. He swapped his natural perspective, what he thought was going on. In Genesis 17, God says to Abram, before they've got a child, he says, by the way, as a part of this conversation, this is what I'm going to do. Your name is no longer Abram, it's going to be Abraham. Abraham means father. You're going to go from just being a prince to being a father of many nations. And he looks around and goes, where are the kids? And he says, and by the way, your wife's name has been Sarai, which means princess. I'm changing her name to Sarah. Same uh, sound in the English anyway. Same vowel sound. You are, she's now going to be a mother of many nations. And so the guy goes home after encountering God and he says to Sarai, he says, by the way, guess what God told me today? And she says, what's that, darling? She, by the way, is now 89. No, yes, 89, because he's 99. And he's 99, she's 89. What's God told you? He says, God told me, stop calling you Sarai, start calling you Sarah. Poor old Sarah, sitting there going, he's finally lost it. (laughs) So she said, this is the way the conversation went. I was there. She says, so you're going to start calling me mother. He says, yeah, and guess what? 
you're going to start calling me father. Isn't that great? And she goes, yes. And God changed their names to the opposite of their greatest lack. Now, just imagine for a minute, let's bring it into your world. Imagine that your greatest lack is confidence. And God turned up to you today and said, by the way, I've got a new name for you. Your name is Valiente. Anybody speak Spanish yet? One, two, three. I'm good on you. I see. Adios, amigo. That's about it. Mind you, I can order food. Uh, But Valiente. Can you imagine how that would work? Where's my friend Sebastiano Carace? He's from Sicily in Italy, down at the boot of Italy. The jewel of the whole earth is Sicily. And his parents named him Sebastiano. And he's getting married here in a couple of weeks' time. And then, but he, re, he sends, resends out all the wedding invitations. And instead of Sebastiano Carace, he sends them out, signing them Coragioso. It means courageous. And the man who had no confidence starts saying, by the way, my name is Courage. What do you think everyone's going to do? This is, what, this is the way it worked. The Greeks, anybody here speak Greek? No? Good. Because that means you can't correct my pronunciation. <laughs> In the Greek, it's genaios. And I said that with just beautiful accent. What about all the, where are all the people from Brazil? Huh? Come on, give me a little wave, all the yeah, beautiful people from Brazil. Yeah, anybody else speak Portuguese apart from you? People in Portugal. Got it. Because they go home. Paulo, who was up there in the Keys, goes home to his wife, Paulo and Melina. He says, Melina, I know that I have been struggling with confidence. And today God told me, from now on, you must call me Bravo. (laughs) How do you reckon that's going to go down with Melina? See, because we laugh about it. And yet that's exactly what happened. God said, I want you to change your perspective of you. You've been telling me how you've got no kids. Every time, I love the fact that Abram never gave up nagging God. Every time he encounters God, he goes, yeah, but what about the kids? What about the child? What about the one you promised? And God says to him, finally, he says, change your perspective, Abram. And I'm going to help you doing that by changing your name. Imagine if you're here, anybody here ever felt insignificant? Don't raise your hand. Imagine if I came to Rhonda and I said, uh, Rhonda, I've just been feeling like really I'm just, you know, I'm just really, I'm just a little bit of flotsam and jetsam. I'm just one of the great raft of humanity, one of the six billion on the planet. Like who cares? And she says, oh no, darling. I believe that you are fabuloso. (laughs) So we went to a party yesterday. And can you imagine at the birthday party, Rhonda goes up and she says, hello, my name's Rhonda. This is my husband, Fabuloso. (laughs) How many can imagine that with me? One person up the back. Not even Rhonda could imagine that. That was the worst bit. 
For the Italians, favoloso. For the Greeks, I'm so glad there's no Greek here. It's yoperoko. But that sounds so Spanish to me. It doesn't sound Greek. So I'll just say whatever it is anyway. And obviously for the Portuguese, because they just think the Spanish are just the same. They go fabuloso. And yet God says a few things about you and gives you a different name. He says, I declare you to be righteous. And then I come to God and all my prayers start like this. They don't, but for many people they do. Oh God, I'm sorry, I'm just such a loser. God, I'm a worm. God, I'm useless. Oh God, I don't know why. That's how some people start their prayers. God, I'm sorry, I'm such a, just an idiot. God, you must be embarrassed to own me as your child. I'm like the stupid one of the Christian family. I must be the one that God never wants to introduce. Who's he? Oh, he's just the idiot of the family. But that's not what the Bible says. Listen, God says he's proud of you. He says, you are righteous in my sight. Huh? But we're all running around telling God how we are not fabulous, huh? We are nincompoop. Is that a, can I say, is that an Australian word? Do you have that word in America? Nincompoop. Gee, oh man, you are learning so much great Aussie stuff here. It's like, it's like boxing, uh, what is it? Donkey's years. <laughs> That's my staff joke. God declares that you are favoured by him. God declares that you are blessed by him. Get this, God declares that he called you. Huh? Anybody here like me? I was the runt of the litter at school. I was the shortest kid in my class in year 10. And so when they picked people for footy teams, it was, I want Fatty Purcell. Sorry about that, but that's what we called him those days. It was before PC. He was big and beefy. And I want Mazzanti. Mazzanti was the Italian people who lived down the road from us. They owned the house moving business. And, and Mark Mazzanti was in my class and he was built like, he was built like, I don't know what, he was built like Rocky. He had, he shaved and he was in year 10. So of course he got picked. He had big thighs and he could run like the wind. And they'd pick him and then they'd pick, you know, Trevor Chapel because Trevor Chapel was really athletic and whippy. And finally, there'd be me. And, it, and anybody here know what this Come on, no, if only I had violins playing. Where do I begin to tell the story of how sad my life could be? Uh, and then finally they go, all right, Woodward. Some of you here think that's how God has called you. He called Jeremy, going, wow, I love that voice. Huh? He called Pastor Bruce, going, what an intellect. Huh? He called Thor, saying, wow, is he cool or what? I want him on my team. Oh, yeah, the rest of you, come on. But that's not what God says at all. So you've got to change your perspective. If you're going to get strengthened, you'll never, listen, you cannot strengthen that which God is not touching. And that means your old life. 
So many of us are trying to get our old life good enough for God. But you cannot strengthen that which God is not moving on. And he ain't moving on your old life. He's not trying to polish you up. He's not trying to get you good enough. He says, done with the old life. It's actually passing away. He says, the only way to do this is I'm going to work on the new life. That means you've got to change. Stop trying to fix up the old you and start embracing the new you. The chrysalis, its struggle doesn't make it into something different. It simply reveals what was already always there. And exactly the same way, what's already in you in Christ is what God is revealing. Here's the third thing. I'll finish with this. Here's the third thing. First of all, he surrendered his direction to God. How easy is that? But please do it. Secondly, he swapped his natural perspectives for God. Number three, he kept seeking what God had promised. He kept seeking the promises of God. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. For what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. If he asks for fish, will give him a serpent. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to good things to those who ask him? But he never said, Knock once and then go. We act sometimes like prayer is like going to a restaurant. I order from the menu and I wait for the waiter to deliver. I've heard, I've heard preachers preach only ask once. Anything more than once is a lack of faith. I go, that is so not Bible. That is so not Bible. In Luke 18, Jesus told the story of a, an unjust judge who gives to the woman because she keeps persisting. Abraham, every single time he meets God, he goes, God, what about the child? And God never once says, will you shut up about the kid? He never says, come on, stop asking. He actually encourages him and keeps saying, keep asking. Can I say in the 21st century, in the world of instant, we need a revival of Christians that refuse to say no that refuse to take second best, that refuse to just shut up and go and sit in the corner and cry and hope that one day they die and go to heaven. We need an army of believers that say, you know what, I refuse to give up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep persisting in the name of Jesus. If I don't hear from God, I'll keep on going till I hear something from heaven in Jesus' name. See, the reality is, that in the kingdom of God, it's not hey presto, it's hey press in. It's not hey presto, woohoo. Let me finish, read this one passage to you. I love this verse, this passage. It's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, the king, saying, Ask a sign from the, the, from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. In other words, ask me anything. I want to prove myself to you. But I have said, I will not ask. Neither will I test the Lord. Now listen to what God says. God doesn't commend him. He actually rebukes him. Then he said, hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But now you're going to weary my God also. And he says basically this, you're not wearying God by asking, 
you're wearying him by not asking. Come on. Come on. Some of you here have been praying for a loved one to come to Christ for so long and nothing shifted. And you think to yourself, God's sick of hearing me. Oh, no, he loves it. He's saying, keep going. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Some of you here, it seems like your life, you, you take two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, four steps back. You look at your life and go, I'm nowhere further than I was before. Oh God, God must just not like me. But he does, he loves you. And he says, come on, keep at it. Come on, keep at it. Come on, there's people here today, I know there are. And some of you, the enemy's been, enemy's been saying to you, it's never going to happen. They'll never come back. The business will never turn around. You're never going to get any better. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, tell them to keep going. Tell them to keep asking. Tell them to keep seeking what God has promised. Keep at it in Jesus' name. I read this this week in my reading of the scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 7 verse 24 in the message version. It says, friends, stay where you were called to be. God is there. Hold the high ground with him at your side. I believe today there's some of you here and the temptation to quit on it, the temptation to give up on it, the temptation to throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, well, you know, whatever, is so strong. But I know this morning the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, don't give up. Keep asking. Don't give up. Keep knocking. Don't give up. Keep seeking. Keep at it in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I don't know their lives. I may know the lives of a few, but I certainly don't know the lives of most. And so, Lord, I'm only hearing you speak to me and say that there are people like that here today and the temptation just to... to get the perspective of circumstance and the perspective of feelings. But God, today we make a choice to surrender our direction to you. We, we believe you're in charge. We're going to exchange our perspective for yours. And by the grace of God, we will keep going. We will keep asking. We're going to keep looking for the promises that you've given us in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I pray for those people wherever they're seated today, front to back, side to side, up, down, wherever, people watching on the YouTube channel or listening to this via the podcast, wherever I'm including them, Lord, I'm praying for them. In Jesus' name, marriages where people think about giving up, businesses where people go, it's all over. God, individual lives where the struggles against temptation have been so strong that somebody's thinking, oh, well, why bother? But God, I pray for them today, just like Paul prayed for the Ephesians. I pray you'll strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man, their inner woman, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Team are going to come. And uh, Ben, we're going to sing again in a minute that song, I Want to Be Where You Are. But again, we're not singing it about I want to be where God is. I'm not in a hurry to get to heaven. There's too much to do on earth. But I believe the Holy Spirit sings that about you. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. Amen. I want to be where you are. I want to go to your job with you. I want to go to your university with you. I want to go to your high school with you. 
I want to go wherever you're going. I want to be there. I want to be close to your heart in the name of Jesus. One of the greatest joys that anybody will ever get on planet earth is to make a decision to come close to Christ. Ask anybody that has given their life to Jesus. And I have asked hundreds, if not thousands. Tell me your story. And they tell me about how their life changed in a moment. The process is ongoing. It's not like they become perfect overnight. It's really more that there's a moment where everything started to change. Then you hear their story and they'll tell you that's the moment where I said yes to Jesus. This church doesn't have magic answers. It's not a self-improvement program. This church isn't come along here and eventually you'll get better. This church is saying in the middle of everything, there is someone called the Lord Jesus Christ who stands outside of your world and mine, but wants to enter my world and yours. And he says, I want you to know him. He wants to be close to you. And that starts with a simple decision. That's why we call it the yes text. It's as simple as that. Just simply saying yes to Christ by texting yes, Y-E-S, to 0488-826-392. Or you can do it now online at yes.metrochurch.org.au. And that simple act, people are doing it every week. And every week I'm hearing back stories. I can't always tell you the whole story for the reasons of people's privacy. But every week I hear back stories of people that have done that and their life changed. Jesus became real to them. God is talking to them. It's a remarkable thing. 0488-826-392. You can do it right now. Or you can grab one of the slips of paper that are out there or take a photo of that. I've seen people do that in, in the service. Or you can grab one of these slips of paper out at the Connect Hub. Just take it away. Maybe there's someone you know you need to talk to this week and give them one of these. Let them know that there's a God who cares about him and he wants to be where they are in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. If that's you this morning, can I help you today? I want to pray a simple prayer that says to Jesus, I want you in my life and I'd love it if you would pray it and make it yours. Maybe you've been coming here for ages and you never made the step. Why don't you do that today? Or maybe you're just straight in, first up, never been here before and you go, but that, I understand what you're saying. I want to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person that's here. You know their heart and life. You want to be close to them. I pray, God, that as they say yes to Jesus and simply say, I need you, Lord, come into my life. Save me because you want to be where I am. Forgive me. Make me clean. Give me a fresh start. I thank you, Jesus. You're going to do exactly that into every life in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.